Big Better Best Books with authors, readers, and other endangered species. I'm your guide, Katerina Valentin. Come and join us. So welcome to this episode of Big Better Best Books podcast. And my guests today are Christine McCarthy and Grace Douglas. And they are running an amazing publishing company called Access Consciousness Publishing, where I have, oh, how many books do I have published with you now? I have three books published with you now. So this is, of course, my favorite publishing company since they're publishing my books. And um Today, we're just going to explore a little bit what it's like to run a publishing company today and, you know, all the different things they work with. So, Christine and Grace, if you would tell people what kind of books you publish, what would you tell them if you're like, in a, you know, in an elevator or in an airplane and somebody asks, what kind of books do you publish? What do you say? Well, we would say that we do, we publish self-improvement books on a variety of different topics like relationships, sex, business, bodies, that kind of stuff. And Grace, do you have another or do you usually do the same? I pretty much do the same. (laughs) So how come that you, how come you ended up in a book publishing company? I don't mean like really the long story, but have you both always loved books or are you, you know, what's, what's kind of that ping that made you choose to actually spend a lot of time working with with books and having books coming out in the world at this point of time? I mean, I would say personally for me, it was um, making a request in my professional life to do something more creative. And, you know, this job showed up and I thought, oh, well, it's not an industry I'm familiar with, but I mean, I'll figure it out. <laughs> so that's that's how that's how I came about it. So your background is more business, and then you moved into this particular industry from there. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. And I was looking for something different and more, and I saw Christine was taking over, and I was like, she seems fun to work with. So mm-hmm. we ended up so working together. It- so it's like an exploring of what's what's possible. And um, I'd like to know, though, if you did read as a kid, what was your favorite book? Like if you actually, I mean, you probably somebody probably read for you, even if you didn't read yourself. But do you have a do you have a memory of what your favorite book was? I loved The Hobbit. My mom read us all of them. I think she read every all four of us the entire series out loud. And I think that was my favorite as a child. You know, before, Christine, before you say, I just have to say, so my mom did that too in Swedish though, since I'm Swedish. She read all the Hobbit books, like all this, and I don't know what they call the Stories of the Ring, uh-huh. like the Lord of the series. In, in she did it in cars and we would listen and it was like totally quiet in the car because she would read, you know, we were all like, and at the end, I still remember my, my brother, there was this, kind of at that time they had a protection between the seats in the front seat so that the kids wouldn't fly over because you didn't have seat belts at the time and he would stand up in the back seat 
and kind of eat on because it was so exciting, you know, they're by the volcano and the ring is going to go down. And he was so into it that that whole thing had sheer mark forever after he kind of ate half the plastic thing that was in between. But I will always remember that about my mom and she would read it with such engagement, like every person had a different voice and all of that. So that's so funny that you're, you have that similar experience. And Christine? Mine was Madeline. I definitely remember. Oh, you have to tell us more. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, my mom did not read to me very often. That was definitely a book I remember being like, oh, I'd like to go to Paris or I'd like, you know, to have adventures in this, in the sense that she did. And so that was definitely one of my favorite books. So you have to say the title again, because I actually didn't hear you. Oh, Madeline. Madeline. Oh, that's a name. Oh, I have to check this book out. It's this little girl that lives in an orphanage, I think. (laughs) Right? uh, They all wear like the same little yellow rain coat. And they have a beret, I think. You would I think you would know it if you saw it. Millie, I think so too. It it does sound a little familiar. Yeah. So that's your books like at that time, but now you're working with books every day. So what what's been one of the most fun or different book projects you've had since you started, you know, running ACP? Um, I Kat, I'd have to say working with you on the children's books has been really fun like the baby unicorn manifesto in particular. And now the dragon, it's just, it wasn't something we were doing and we wanted, well, we've done one, but we wanted to start doing more of it. So it's like, uh, it was good timing. And then also how beautiful the books are to work with in terms of the illustration and the story and the energy behind them. So that's been fun for me. Hmm. I agree. I think the kids' books are fun. They're a little, they're so different than what we normally do as well that it kind of engages you on a whole other level. I wonder also, it's kind of like the kids' book for me. Yes, it's about personal development and those kids' book also has a message and they kind of, they bypass a lot of those things that pe- kind of comes up otherwise with books. A book is like, you know, you have to read it. It's long. When am I going to read? Like, there's all kinds of things that come up with book. Or do I know the author? Is there fit? But with children's books, it kind of it bypasses all those barriers that people have, and and that's and the pictures really help with that because the story somehow com- conveys in the pictures as well. I I it's been so fun working with all the books, both Clara, the climate changer, and then the unicorn and dragon manifestos. So. It's it's one of the easiest ones, too, for me, where it just kind of flows and creates. So how do you, um, like, because your experience comes from what will engaging the audience, and then you have to work with the author. So how do you use, you know, one of the tools that a lot of the books you publish talk about are questions, for example, or, or even, you know, following the energy of things. How do you, how do you use that in your work? How do you use the tools of consciousness? when you work? I try to ask them questions and give them examples of what I think can show them how to choose their, for themselves, but it's not always easy. I would also add that giving them enough time and space is actually really helpful 
like there is such this as grace said this rush of like oh i've written the book now i want it done like next week so (laughs) but the there is a time that needs to be taken for the process and the steps to really kind of flow and so not getting back to somebody right away and letting them sit with cover options has been really helpful for us you know like i don't like anything and then just okay give them a week and maybe they'll change that point of view and that has worked where you know you just kind of have to sometimes give people space to process stuff versus making really quick fast decisions to hit a deadline and we're not we don't really want to do that we want to make sure that the product and the book and everything is energetically succinct because then when you introduce it to the world it's received differently than something that is rushed and put together and gotten out in the world to hit a a specific milestone somebody has in their world that that doesn't always create more so we have to educate people too on the amount of time that it takes to really get something done i mean kat you're very familiar with this (laughs) yeah well how much would you so if you just so say you get a, a finished manuscript not the kind you talked about before that was half finished but say you get a finished manuscript how long time does it take from getting that manuscript you know, you've approved it, it's ready. Let's say the proofreading and everything is done, but you have to now put it into design and everything. If you had a more normal, you weren't rushing it, how much time does it take? I mean, ideally we'd like a good six months. I mean, the design and production takes a little bit of time too, but it's also like doing the pre-launch work that's required. So we do like to have at least six months, we'd say. So this is the interesting part too of, now, if you looked at the publishing business at large, one of the things that's occurred is so many people now can get their books out because we do have self-publishing or we have publishing for pay, like all these things that didn't used to exist. You, you've had to like just send your book into you know hundreds of companies and hoping that somebody would accept it. But today, if you have a book, most people could actually publish it. So when you look at that and you look at your role in that how would you say that you see like how you see the publishing world develop or or move forward what is the if you just look at it from you know what you're aware of since you started i would say that the the books and the like from our in our business the people that do really well are engaged and their their book is a part of their business and they're constantly translating it or promoting it or having it present in their life. Those are the authors that do really well and will continue to do well because it's something that they're invested in beyond just, I have a book, I published it, now it should just sell. You know, that it doesn't, it has a life form of its own and you, you need to continually like um, make sure right. that you're talking about it or that you're doing things that are, so people actually know you're an author. Well, so basically what you're saying is it's not enough, just because now you can get your book published, you know, by paying for it, that doesn't really create what you would like to to get the book out in the world. You actually have to, you know, work on getting the book out and work on becoming, being the author that you would like to be. Yeah. I think the publishing world books everything is evolving and changing, but I, I do think people still love books. That's not going to change even, 
if audiobooks are taking over and there's more and more electronic versions, people still love having a book. There's something. Yeah. And I would also say it's it's nearly like it's becoming more of a public arena. Yeah. There are more people can publish books now, which means that, yes, there's more books out there. And, you know, you have to kind of go through a jungle to find. But there's also an amazing possibility in that, that more books do come into the world. Yeah. Now, you do translate a lot in your publishing company. So what would you say that the key is to a great translation of a book? A great translation team. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, having enough people have, like for us, we have three people that work on each translated book. That team really helps that product become great. It's really involved and it takes time for these books to come about, but it's worth it. It's really actually quite fun to work on, on the different translations and to see the book go beyond the English language. I know Grace, you've been working sometimes with the, you know, picking whatever energy works with different words. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Languages don't always have the same words. We start to look more at the overall picture and the energy behind the words. And that helps us find a better translation. So I think that our translations actually end up being more dynamic because they're not a direct translation. So none of the meaning is lost and none of the energy behind the book is lost. When you do that, and I basically what I'm thing is we'll have a few words that kind of mean similar things and and you look at which one is the lightest and which one has the right energy to portray what you're translating and, and we actually i had on a previous show i had karina and katushka okay. and we had a conversation about how to translate but it was it was really interesting to hear how they look at it and yeah. how they work and you work with both of them so yes. um no, that's part. But so the other part I was wondering a little bit about is how important is the title of a book? Very important. <laughs> I agree. I, I think the cover and the title are part of probably the most important part for selling. Mm. It's the first thing that people see. It's the first people that it's the first thing that grabs their attention. Do you have any tips for like what to think about for a title, like something not to do or to do like? when people are looking at what to name their books? I think having a shorter title, because I was actually, when I was in the the airport flying to Paris, I was looking at the top, you know, in the bookstore in the airport and looking at titles and really they're one or two words. A lot of the top selling books are not like Michelle Obama becoming. I mean, there's that sense of space where you create curiosity and you engage somebody in like, well, what does becoming? Cause becoming would mean a lot of different things to different people. And then the cover and a subtitle. So you give people a really quick like line that tells them the benefits of the book or what's in the book or what they're going to take away from the book is also really helpful. So do you have a favorite cover or do you have like any tips about the cover work? Cause that's, that's been, I mean, a lot of the covers you've been using, you've been changing over the years too. You started out with another cover for some of the books that's offered at ACP. So what would you say, 
would be something to consider when you look at the cover? You know, I think that what pops or what draws in energy is something that is simple and pretty or fun and bright. So you you can kind of go, you can go two ways and there's a few books that we have that have really cool covers that are hysterical mm-hmm. and some of them are just really plain and simple and you know they both sell it's more what represents the book and i think that's where it's hard to find that because for one person something bold might be a really bright color for another person. It might be something really soft and inviting. We both try to get people to describe what they like and what they want the book to represent. And we try to represent that with as best we can with colors and graphics. I just wanted to ask too, because a lot of, um, because these books are, as we mentioned before, often based on somebody's story. Mm-hmm. Some of the covers, not all of them, have a picture of somebody on the front um, of the cover. And I've heard from different places both that that's something great to do and something not so great to do. So what's, what's your view on having the author, him or herself, on the cover? When, when does it work and when doesn't it work? It works when people know your face already. Like Obama, Michelle Obama, that would work. Michelle Obama, that works. Uh, (laughs) Oprah Winfrey, she puts her, like, she's on the cover of her magazine all the time. It's about her and it's, and she's so famous. I would say that it's hard when you're a consumer and you don't know this person and you see a picture of them and you have no reference to who they are or what they're about, you're probably not going to pick up their book because you're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know what this book is about. And if you're, you know, it's just one of those things that I feel like it might get passed over more if it didn't, if it had your picture on the back instead of the front cover, that's what I would say. So basically, um, keep asking questions, but don't automatically go to having your picture on a book because it's your story. Yeah. So say you could have like a wand and you could have any wish and that would show up a book that, that you would publish right now. Like what would that book be like for both of you? Like they're probably a little different, but what would you wish for? What kind of book would you wish for coming along into ACP? I'd like another business book. Um, Tell me more. I would say it would be something that is educational on like building wealth and what that looks like. Hmm. Yeah. I think you should write that, Christine. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Maybe that's exactly why that's that's the book you're wishing for. Yeah. That's like the in your subconscious, this is what you would like to write. And Grace, if you if you could have any book, what would you have? That's such a hard question, Kat. Oh, come on, Grace. <laughs> You'd have to do something with like style and collecting. How about collecting? Uh, actually, I would love for someone we all know to write about the elegance of living. Yes. And I would love to have a book more about, well, I guess that's kind of incorporating wealth too. I can think of something else. Well, no, no, but I think they're quite different. The energies of what you both described now are are different because 
Christine was looking more at like a business and wealth, but the elegance of living could even be a book with photographs and, you know, a lot of, it could be a very different book. So do you ever go out and ask people to write books? Yes. (laughs) Does it work? No. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't been very successful. We got to work on that, Grace. (laughs) Yeah, we do. I guess we're not that charming. And if if someone has an idea, how do they contact you? Uh, Can they use the website or is that the best place to... They can or they can just email us. Um, It's christine at accessconsciousnesspublishing.com. Yeah, we're... And the website is actually accessconsciousnesspublishing.com as well. And so you can find both of them there if you have an idea that you would like to present yes we are we are very open to suggestions and different ideas and manuscripts so what's the most exciting right before we end here that's coming up this year for you what's the most like exciting publishing adventure that's arriving some of our new covers i think are going to be really fun to roll out we've got two in the works and a third on the way. So we're having more fun with covers this year, I'd say. I agree. I'm also excited for our next, one of our next books is Conscious Leaders by Chichissa Bowman. And I'm, I'm excited for that one to come out. It was a lot of fun to get to work on it with her. And she really included us in the editing and all that stuff. So that was really interesting. That's one. When is it coming up? Not anytime soon. (laughs) this year (laughs) this year though yeah so now i'm looking forward to that book too and we will i'm hopefully we will have jatissa on this show as well so you get to hear her talk about it but let's wait until we know when it's coming out amazing so thank you both thank you both so much for coming on and um again if you want to know more about Access Consciousness Publishing, ACP, you can go to accessconsciousnesspublishing.com and you can also contact them there. So thank you for today. Thank you, Kat. Thank you. Bye.